Hey there, listeners. Lovely Totem Heads coming in for another episode of the Totem Talks podcast. It's your host, Pat the Man O'Leary. Gotta work on that nickname. And you're joining us yes. for episode 17. Welcome in. Have you, have you ever said your last name on the podcast before? Or I, did everyone just think you were Pat <laughs> up until now? I, I'm assuming the people who listen to it knew my name already. That's a great point. Well, That's I mean, a great point. <laughs> now, now your name Considering is Pat the Man O'Leary. Considering 87% of our listeners. That's a great point. And I'm 10 of the other 13%. I know. Oh, well, I'm Nick, one. by the way. And I'm Alex is Alex. And I am Alex. And welcome in. And that's us. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be the new way I talk on the podcast. Perfect. That's I'm dealing with wanted. a vocal issue that requires me to not get really emotional, which, if you've listened to other episodes, is tough. Yeah, you tend to get. I emotional tend to get pretty emotional. It's it's my loud Irishness. Yeah, I'll I'll say that's what it is. My my Irish sure. temper. Just go ahead and stereotype. That seems fine. I'm stereotyping myself. Wow. Yeah. Really, Pat? Unbelievable. I thought we were a progressive podcast. That's right. Oh, actually, no. We're sponsored we don't by stereotype Geico. Here. Not progressive. Oh, okay, okay. Actually, we're not sponsored by anyone. So <laughs> oh, if you want to sponsor us, let me know personally. Reach out to me. I will. Uh, we can do. We could be the, you know, if I mean, you guys we, listen to podcasts, we can be like, oh, Manscaped, shave your balls. Like, that's, that's what they do now. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to happens. podcasts, but- we we could uh we could just sponsor ourselves. This episode sponsored we, by Low Totem. So I want to let you That's know, true. Alex. Just theoretically, if you don't have a sponsor and put on a show, you are in fact sponsoring yourself. Ah, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll I mean, sponsor myself every that day. That is true. <laughs> I sponsor myself before I go to sleep. Sponsor myself in the morning. <laughs> oh my god! For who's got the time? Who's got the time for all that sponsorship? Yeah, I I Not just me. love being sponsored. Anyway, episode seventeen. Right. Why don't we talk about the bands that we're doing today? And I use that I term agree. loosely. Sure. Because there's only one band and two solo artists. That is correct. Nick, talk to us. Oh, you wanted me to say it. I always want you to say it. That's oh, the routine well, in that we're case, in. Yeah, you say uh, it every time, Nick. Well, Pat says it sometimes, and I never know what to do anymore. Yeah, not when we start Ever like since this. you jumped in on my territory, I'm all thrown off. <laughs> um, but we're going to start off today with Animal Collective, which is the band. To yeah. be clear. Yes. Uh, and then we're going to follow them up with Chet Atkins, who is yep. a person, and Ben Folds, who is also just a person. That's true. Both people, human beings. So yes. one band, two persons. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, I, and Pat, why don't you tell us about Animal Collective? Oh, I know I, you're very excited to get I into this. I can't wait. So Animal Collective is an American experimental pop band formed in Baltimore, Maryland in 2003. And they are still active today. That's correct. And that is pretty much everything that we need to talk about. Uh, Great. We, we went over three of their albums. We started with Spirit They're Gone, Spirit They Vanished, which was released in August of 2000. Now I know what right, you're and saying. It was originally released yeah. by the first two members of the band, not as Animal Collective, and then retroactively uh, reassigned to Animal Collective, the group. Yes, which I just need to say this. The original name of this group, 10 times better than Animal Collective, because they went by Avi Ter and Panda Bear. Yes, And they that's did. way cooler. Like, yeah. just entirely a cooler name. Yeah. Uh, but guess. then we followed that up with Meriwether Post Pavilion, uh, which, okay, sure, sounds like a place I'd go to have a wedding. Sure. Uh, and that came out in 2009. And then we ended with Painting With from 2016. Yes, um, that's correct. That's kind of what I've got so far. 
So who wants so, to go first and discuss Animal Collective? Oh, looks like Pat goes first. We Alex knows good it. Yeah, we, we knows goes it. it. Sure. No, that's totally fine. Sure. I have no problem talking about Animal Collective. So this first album, uh, some of the genres include psychedelia, avant pop, electroacoustic, experimental rock, and noise pop. And it was 60 minutes and 38 seconds in length. It was released on Paw Tracks Records. This is very informational. The, he's which he's was the only record, telling you facts because you're going to yeah. hate which the Which was opinions. the record that they they formed a record label, uh, Animal Collective, they, their own right. personal record label. Uh, and that's that. And so the tracks um, include, so it was a 10-track oh, all album. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> we get it, Pat. Yeah, it was, it. it was garbage. It was terrible. So avant pop is just loud screechy noise. It was like pavement on crack. Well, they were highly inspired by pavement. These two oh, guys I, got oh, together. Oh, I could tell. They bonded over their love of pavement, and that's kind of where this all comes from. And they went, "What are the things about pavement that people don't like? Let's only do them." Wait, Plus, they seriously bonded over pavement? Yeah, no, that's real. I okay. wish they bonded um, in pavement and were just but, frozen and unable to make the, music. Yeah, the other band that I want to mention while you're talking about pavement that and the inspiration there is also the Jesus and Mary Chain. Yes, and, we and I'll tell you what, you ripped. know what, you've mentioned two. Yeah. We we had the pleasure of doing both of those people. Now, here's the one thing about the Jesus and Mary Chain that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Their first album was very... <laughs> but they improved. That they did. Um, to be average by the end of their... Almost. Almost. Yeah, I mean, average in terms of our thinking of them, not their scores. Right, sure. But... Uh, but yeah, this album had that same fuzz and just static all over all the songs. It was just making it very difficult to listen to. It it was literal disgusting garbage. Absolute <laughs> terrible to listen to. Um, it was actually one of those things where... I listen to these albums kind of while I'm going about my day at work. My work is very, like, you know, moving around numbers and programs and stuff. It's pretty easy to listen to music. I had to stop listening to this immediately because I was getting so angry at being forced to listen to this. To be fair, I did warn these guys ahead of time to, like, just be prepared to break up their animal collective listening. Yes, but I had to break it up and listen to, like, a song at a time. Yeah. Like, yeah, so bad. I listened to, like, because here's, like, here's the things that I don't like, okay? I don't like songs that feel too long, and I don't like songs that are bad. And these <laughs> are bad songs that are too long, because it's 60 yeah. minutes in 10 tracks. I so mean, you're, averaging, you're yeah. averaging six minutes a song, roughly, yeah. according to the math. Although a lot of that is, is because of Alvin Rowe, the closing track, at a whopping mm-hmm. 12 minutes and 39 seconds. Correct. And to be fair, it was 12 minutes and 40 seconds too long. Yeah. I was going to say, even Everyone Whistling, which was only a minute long, was still too long. Yeah, this album sucked. I'm just going to jump in. Uh, (sighs) It was really bad. The vocals, when they existed, were bad and not even really comprehensible as to what was being said under all the static and noise. Um, I definitely also found myself wondering, why are the worst albums always the longest? Why is it that people who make just absolute garbage are like, you know what? At least an hour of this. 30 minutes will not do. (laughs) I Um, can't believe how bad it was. Yeah, I I said because you mentioned it's like experimental. Um, 
it's basically experimental to the point of unintelligible is where you get in this album. And yeah, it, it's just it was yeah. a horrible hour for us. And I'll let Alex just go ahead and jump in. Uh, yeah, it was bad. Um, there's a lot of things that were <laughs> yeah, bad about it. Um, one of the things is that uh, it was it was EQ'd very wrong. <laughs> like when you when you're listening to it, you can barely hear the guitars. You can kind of hear the vocals, and then you hear just like like you guys were saying, like the white noise, like mm-hmm. whoosh, the entire album. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's one thing that's bad. The second thing that's bad is that occasionally you'll just get the most loudest, most obnoxious whine that like makes it pierces your ears. And you don't want to hear that. Like, why would you want it's to hear that? It's part of the experimentation, man. It's all art. I yeah. and and the vocals were bad, like Nick was saying. Um, I I don't think the the to, to get to give a couple of of props. I think Penny Dreadfuls had the potential to be a really good song, then did was not. Mm-hmm. And I think that I I don't think any of the songs suffered from bad writing necessarily. I think I think. In Are you saying that context, because there was no the writing songs... and it was just random noises? <laughs> no, I think I think some of the songs could have been good if they were if they were way if different. they were songs. I get it. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I think we said the same thing though. Like in Jesus and Mary Chain, we were like, this first album could have been a great first oh, album yeah. behind like a t- if it was so a, much it was static, proper, it was unintelligible. Yeah, if it was a proper album, like if it was properly EQ'd, let if me there was be none of the static <laughs> and the abrasiveness. If there was a better yeah. vocalist. I think it could have been better, but it could've was been. not. It was okay. very horrible. Yes, okay. it was. I let me be clear. The potential we heard in Jesus and Mary Chain was that oh, it kind of sounds like they're not bad vocalists. It kind of sounds like they can play. It's just under that hiss. But they definitely could not play. No, they definitely could not play. But it, maybe that's why they had the hiss. Yeah, um, I think so. But here, the the best I can come up with, and the best that Alex came up with was. If we get rid of the hiss and change multiple pieces of this group, they could be a music group. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I, was, I wasn't trying to say that. In, I was trying to say that for the credit of the writing, I think. Yeah, yeah like, I think I the songs could have been good, but they just weren't. So, I so I'll take understand. us to this. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. I'll take Mary us to Weather. the second. Uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, released in January of 2009. Yes. Um, and I, I know my opinion differs from Pat and Nick a little bit. I think this album was definitely an improvement. The mix oh, sounds I fully a, agree with that. The, the mix sounds better. The singing sounds a lot better, which I, I was agree. surprised that it was the same person. Like in the first album, you got a very Billy Corgan impersonation of the singing, but like way worse. And yeah. in this one, you get like actual kind of singing, and it sounds sure. better. Um, I still think that it's it's not something I would revisit just because I don't I don't really like this avant pop style. Um, but it's it's definitely it was definitely more tolerable. Um, the songs actually, you know, sounded like songs. You could kind of hear mm-hmm. differences in them instead of just like a whole bunch of white noise and whining. It was so it was, it was a lot better, but it was still not something I would want to revisit and listen to again. Sure, yeah, totally. And to be clear, I want to mention there is a brand new member of the band. It's not just Avi Ter and Panda Bear. Yes, also geologist, geologist. is now in the band. <laughs> he should he should be the geologist. Avitar no, and Panda Bear and the geologist. the geologist. I just like this might be the best group of names that we've had. We got to at least close. consider Avitar, Panda Bear, Geologist are the members of this band. Pat, I want you to go next so that I can take us into the third one. Oh, because I haven't gone first on this yet. So here's here's the things that I'll say. This album was released 
in January of 2000. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, don't, don't do this um, again. I will say it's 54 minutes, all, which is, again... An improvement. It's an improvement. Still a little long for this kind of album. Mm-hmm. What, would, what uh, would you prefer, Pat? What? What would you have preferred? Zero minutes and zero seconds? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not, so this album I could listen to parts of. The mm-hmm. problem that I had with this one now is you took out some of the avant-garde. It's still in there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. It's still there. But what you've replaced it with is electronica. Mm-hmm. And so you're just basically taking out, like, you're taking out the fish livers and you're putting in chicken livers. So, like, you're not quite as smelly. But <laughs> you're still not something I want to eat. That's there. that's where I am. Uh, the Like, when you listen to this album, there's so much of it that is, like, almost palatable to me. But it's just yeah. not because of the like, like ge- the geologist or the geologist, as Alex wants him to be called. His instrument called. on this album is electronics and samples. Right. That's what his contribution is. Sure. So he's not contributing instruments. <laughs> yeah. And it's 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 just rough for me. Like you lose a little bit of that ugly hiss. You lose a little bit of the screechy screaming and the noises. It's definitely better EQ'd. It's definitely better produced. It's clear they have people working with them on that now. But the actual style of music is still pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, there's improvements, yes. It's still pretty bad. Yeah. And that's, uh, like, there are songs sure. in here that I didn't actively dislike listening to. Didn't mm-hmm. like them. We'll never listen to them again. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't have, I could listen to this one all the way through. That's kind sure. of the best they're going to get for me. Yeah, Alex, you seemed like you wanted to jump in. Did you have something you wanted to respond to? Uh, I, I just realized that they had a fourth member um, who wasn't on any of the albums we listened to, and his name is Deacon. Oh, yeah, Deacon. Yeah. Right. D-E-A-K-I-N. I think that's yes. a, that's, that's how you that's spell it. not as good Deacon. as the other ones, but no, it's a good name. but it's good. All right, so let me tell you, let me diagnose this album for you guys the way I heard it, because I definitely agree with Alex in the sense that, like, this is a significant improvement from what we listened to first, uh, in the sense that it is deter- it's definitely palatable, like you can get through it without being actively offended. But what I think is the problem with these songs, uh, and why none of them really pop or like have that moment that draws you in or brings you in, is what I noticed all the way through is I don't think that they know they fully get the concept of like who has the lead at any given time in a song i feel like every sample every instrument every vocal part is all always at the same volume drawing the same attention and when that happens when you don't have a definitive like you're taking on the rhythm at this point while this part of the music is being highlighted as the lead when you don't have that it starts to feel very jumbled and even a song that's not white noise like literally like the first album was can start to feel like that because your ear doesn't know where to go everything is kind of yelling at you all at once Uh, and i think that's the biggest problem with this album is that the way the songs are written and constructed every single piece is trying to be the lead piece at the same time and what you get is nothing stands out as the lead piece at any given time do you guys kind of hear what i'm saying no yeah i definitely hear what you're oh saying. i totally hear yeah what you're i agree with it yeah that that was what i think really made this album tough for me like where i heard a lot of improvement but i couldn't get into any of the songs because of that because i felt I like th- they weren't well constructed 
I think it was still a little okay. bit more palatable, though. It's like oh, it's definitely. Like, it's not like like it's like a meal. It's not like something I'm gonna order, but it's something that if like yeah. I'm being served at dinner, I'm gonna eat and I'm gonna be yeah. fine with it. It went from actively bad to just like I felt like the writing really crippled it, and where it could there was more potential and it was better to listen to, but it could have been a lot better had they like maybe considered that a little bit more. Definitely agree. Okay. Yeah. So here's the issue that I have. Okay. I like I'm just like. I just need to know because I'm reading the reception that this album got. Uh, it was very highly critically acclaimed. What are we missing? <laughs> uh, I, avant pop. Yeah, like, I, I think don't I've, know. There's a certain amount of people that like avant pop and, and yeah. the electronica stuff. I think it's just not something that any of us. It's enjoy. not going to work for us. Yeah. I think if if no, but even if I listened to this album in a vacuum, if I didn't listen to the first one, if I didn't listen to the next one. I still wouldn't like it all that much. I agreed. It's definitively like, better, but not good. I, I, I think. I think honestly, I would like it worse because I don't yeah. know how bad mm. it could be. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, I'm going to take us to Painting With, which is their most yeah. recent studio album. Which, now there was another one that was like a, a film. Um, yeah, they released score. a visual album, right? And but it was had their a film, film apparently. That it. Yeah. yeah, but we went with the straight album album here, which is um, Painting With. And I'd like to, to start off my review by quoting uh, Lee Arizuno of The Quietus. Uh, this album was, and I quote, absolute dog shit from start to finish. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, the, first, or the second album was definitely a step up from the first album. Uh, and now they're taking their very, very strange avant experimental indie pop that was in the last album and trying to what sounds like to me apply it to like generic 2010s pop like it's like if you made Animal Collective write a Selena Gomez album that's what i heard here um wow. and it was very bad it's like take the weirdest possible indie pop band you can think of in the world and try to make them write the most pop, mainstream pop album imaginable uh and this is what came out so i mean it sucked. It sucked real bad. But it was shorter, Ooh. which was really good. Alex, Definitely. you have anything uh, to say? I so uh, this album was not good. I, it was definitely better than the first one. Definitely better than the yeah. First one. I mean, it was the second best of the three. The I second guess second best of the three. But that's still not a high place to be. Um, no. The uh, songs were not catchy. The melodies were jarring because, uh, like in in multiple songs. They would have two people singing the melody at the same time, or like I guess trading it off. So it'd be like you get an effect of like ah oh ah oh, ah oh ah, yeah, and it's yeah. like I how am I supposed to sing along to this? How am right, I supposed to really, enjoy it? Yeah. Like there's no aspects of of the music that makes me want to come back. And so this album, like it 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 wasn't still wasn't good. I, it was borderline like turn it off. I I don't want to hear this anymore. Mm-hmm. But you have to listen to it, so it sure. sucks. Yeah, I mean, but... it's our it's our job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't we have to stuff. do it so you don't have to out there, listener. Yeah, yes, please don't and do <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> I, let me just be quite clear. Don't listen to this. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> if you went back, if you have gone through and been a loyal Totem Talks listener, and you heard us talk about Pavement, and then you listened to Pavement, and you liked Pavement... You still won't like this. It's weirder and worse. But maybe yeah. you'll like it because I don't know what your ears are. If you like Pavement, I don't know what your ears are. 
is that, like, I feel like this band could be so good. Like, I think they definitely have aspects of what they're making that if they if they made it like in a more traditional way, mm-hmm. and I guess that's the whole appeal is that it's not traditional, yeah, right? Right. But like, if they made it more traditional, I think it could be something that was better. But it's the fact that they're trying so hard to like push the envelope and make it as weird as they can be, and that's why people love it. But like, it, it that's what makes it just not great to listen to. Yeah, they definitely. could be so good, but they're not. They're definitely not. All right, uh, let's grade them, guys. No, Pat didn't say his piece. Oh, Pat was saying his piece. I think you. Just I interrupted kinda... it. I okay. interrupted it. So, uh, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying. I'm not gonna go. All too right, let's far grade into him. it. It's pretty bad. Here's what I will say. Okay, I respect the choice of the quote-unquote musicians in this group to perform the style that they want. Oh, of course. They are of very course. clearly pushing an envelope. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a shitty envelope full yeah, of garbage. It's an envelope, it's an envelope yeah. full of poop and exactly. Yes. Um, Good. And that's so. what I have to say. <laughs> so, cultural impact, 10. I think that's No. Pretty, no. I uh, mean, they're no. not very well known. Once we get to songwriting talent, that's a 10. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine that you guys were all that familiar with them before this. I had never heard of no. them, thankfully. I had Thank- heard of them, but thankfully, I had never them, been aware that a band like this existed. Yeah. I had, if if uh, I had thought I heard of Animal Collective, but I thought it was Collective Soul. Yeah, very different bands. Yeah, very, and I very think different. I think I may have heard of Meriwether Post Pavilion, but only okay. in like pure passing. So sure, very. Uh, it's not low. Impactful. I mean, it's yeah. like under one. Definitive. I mean, there are no hits here to speak of. I mean, none none of this stuff would ever have been played on a radio ever, except no, for like an, I mean, an obscure like XM channel or something. They're they're credited. They have with, critical acclaim. Yeah, is, they're pretty well critically acclaimed, and they are credited with being influential to someone. I mean, their claim. I think I think one of the claims is that they're they're they've proved influential influential to much subsequent popular music, which. Is just a lie. Like I've never listened to any popular music and went, ah, Animal, Animal Collective. Collective influence. And I didn't listen to Animal Collective and go, oh, I can hear like we, yeah. you know, no spoilers, but we listened yeah. to other people this week that I clearly went, oh, I hear yeah. their influence later of in course. the future. Yeah, now, I mean, you, what is it? It's a point something. Is it a point one? I'm willing like to give them like a point for, seven because uh, yeah, clearly I'm, I'm they've influenced people. Okay, then there we go. Point seven it is. Uh, Breath of Work. Uh, they have 10 studio albums. Okay. And they are absolutely horrifically bad. <laughs> yes. I mean, they've got to get pretty slaughtered here for, for quality. So There's not sales thresholds to speak of at all for any of them, really. They had one British silver, and that was Meriwether Post Pavilion. Correct. And other than that, no I mean, album sold aren't. over 100,000. Yeah. They're not uh, They're not going to be Only two albums sold over 50,000. It's low. I mean, obviously, because they have 10 albums, that's going to be a little bit of their saving grace here. Um, sure, but it's but still bad. It's still bad because the quality is amongst the, the and worst sales that we've heard, both honestly. Bad. Between uh, uh, b- all three seasons of the podcast so far, this is some of the worst listening at times that we've had to do. Especially, yeah. I mean, that first album in particular was like w- amongst the worst albums we've ever heard. That is not I would say. true. Because this is not even the worst band I listened to this season. And that still is Limp Bizkit. 
Uh, okay, but, but you understand, right, like, all right. no, because here's well, the difference, anyway. Alex. No, 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 no. Uh, you got to conserve your voice, Pat. We're not even going to get yeah. into it. I, I agree. I, you you keep know, rolling. you know my opinion. I know your yes. opinion. All right. Yeah. You what is you didn't listen? What to is the breadth of work score? I mean, they have Honestly, to get points for ten I'm, for ten like, albums. I don't. I think they get maybe in in the 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 high twos, low threes, maybe. I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'd be willing to give them a three because they have ten albums. No matter how bad they are, that still has to count for something. Okay, yeah. let's give them a three. All right, Second now instrument, instrumental talent is going to suffer. Uh, uh, yeah, because they don't now, hold no, on. It's bad, let, Alex. No, no. It's bad. Dude, no, just, I, I'm, just let me out, say this. Out. Just let me say this. What they're making, I'm sure, is very hard to make. I don't know if this goes into instrumental or songwriting. What they're making is very hard to make. I don't think I could do it. I don't think you guys could mm. do it. Okay, let, that me, being let me said, put it though, this way. That being said, though, I don't enjoy what it sounds like. Right. I don't think it's anything that's like a talent that's like absolutely going to blow my mind. Right. And again, like, I, and I mentioned this point before, like, instrumental talent, like, how much credit do you give someone who is the world's best scale player on their instrument? And, like, and that's like, it is a talent, it is a skill, but does anyone want to listen to it? Does that, like, give you any right. value in, yeah. from the instrument no I, I, really. I just want to give them a little bit of credit with saying this stuff i don't think i can make it it's probably very hard to make yeah also but the vocals absolutely garbage very garbage. Album and, yeah. and honestly a lot of one. the parts like if there are good parts in here instrumentally they're so far buried into yeah. the mixer behind noise to a point that they're like not accessible to the listener almost which hurts yeah. too so that being said, I think I'm probably around the same as Breath of Work. I think I'm in the okay. threes. I, I, would be I don't lower. know. I'm. Lower. I don't think I'm. You're. You're like lower. Lower. I'm. I'm lower. lower. I. I mean, I think a two would be a significant. That's interesting. Because I mean, they have the ability to play them. At least is the thing. That uh, yeah, that they do. You're right. That that's and I think that's worth maybe like they don't actively stink. Okay. I think they just actively. Are not good. Look, if you want to, I mean, I think we're going to be in the twos somewhere. Based yeah, on I, I'm I okay with I'm okay within the twos, but if I'm just we, I but think that that's fair. No, I think any, I'm glad that you're fighting than, for them. I'm glad anything less than two, I think, is just kind of we're just shitting sure. on them inappropriately. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I where in the I twos would you be willing to go down to? I can go to like a, a two and a half. I think that's my that's my okay. floor. See, I'm lower than that. I'm significantly what are you, what are you lower. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Okay, two and a half is half of average which means people that we've given average to, I would say that most of the people that we've given an average score to are more than twice as good at performing on those instruments because, like, that's a problem. They're actively offensive with their instruments. It doesn't matter that we think we, we think they can play them because that's kind of what we're going off of here. You're saying you're assuming they can play them. They're just not really doing it here. But that's no, like the guitar that you can play, like the guitar on the first album, you can hear, and it's not bad. It's just yeah, no, I, buried you're right. so deep you're in right. that it's you can barely hear exactly. it. Exactly, which, like, it, which it, does it, affect the score here. So what are you thinking, Pat? Like, where it's are like, you? I'm in, I'd be in like maybe the higher ones, like a one because eight, one nine. I'll give you guys like the, the two four and split the difference okay. because Alex okay. was like a three. You were in the higher ones. I'm, I hear both of what you're both saying, and a 2.4 is plenty for them. Because like I, I, for me in the in the in the zero to two range, I'm not saying this to argue, but in the zero to two range is like actively can't play the instruments and I'm suffering. Well, like now the, to like be the, fair, the to shags. be fair, this is still like, and I, and I understand what you mean. Like this is still 
you know, when we are weighing these evaluations, we're weighing professional musicians yes. against professional musicians. Yeah. We're not weighing we're n- them. Like, a point one is not, like, an amateur person that you just handed a guitar to for the first time. No, definitely. You know what I mean? But it's I like think still, which is why you just put out a record. The, yeah, I think, but I think they're, okay. You know, now that you said that, I think I can go lower. I think I can maybe okay. go to a two-one. Yeah, one. that's, so that's kind of two been the, the, the crux there is... Yeah, I think I think professionals. You, yeah, you reminding me of that. Yeah, that yeah. definitely helps. Okay, now songwriting. I mentioned before, like I know that like the credit we're going to give them has to do with their experimentation, and I fully agree with that. But I mean, I had a real issue with all three albums with the songwriting because it was their songwriting choice to cover everything in Static in the first album, and that's bad. That hurts. And it was their choice in terms of the songwriting for this basically the last two albums to put every single track at the same volume with the same attention to the point where it was like impossible to follow the song. It was very overstimulating the way that they chose to write them and not create any lead parts. So even though it was experimental and they're definitely different, like they definitively have their own style to me, this actual individual writing of each song really suffers because none of the songs give you a place to go. Right. They're all just like, very every single part is equally in your face all the time and it's to the point where it's very difficult to follow the song or to enjoy it or to latch on to any parts um so i do think that their their writing is in particular what made the individual songs worse to listen to uh even if like it gives them their overall style and that's my argument on songwriting talent okay, you guys do with that what you will i get exactly where you're coming from i feel a lot of the same things like yes it's interesting but when you always make the wrong choice, just because you made a choice, you don't get a full point for that. Like, you're, you're not going to get full credit. This is like, this is discussing theoretical keys in a music theory classroom. Like, this is discussing writing a song in the key of E sharp. Uh, it's like not really a practical yeah. thing at all. But like, it's kind of fun to discuss the ideas and possibilities of music, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. this band is almost like it should have just be, uh, been a discussion in a classroom instead of an action. Obviously, like no, I, I fully support them putting out the records and everything, but like that's what I feel about what they've attempted. It's almost just like a theory more so than right. You know, and practical I practical music. I completely to to. agree with you on that. Like the whole avant-garde style is that. I would a, a lot of the avant-garde style is those like theoretical music discussions that kind of mm-hmm. turn and and I say pre- that like be given life ripping that idea. I'm like a huge Zappa fan. Like I'm a yeah. ridiculously huge Zappa fan. Well, but he's think? still very he's still very melodic and thoughtful in his writing. And his I writing don't... doesn't do this thing where you hear every instrument equally all the time and there's yeah. no leads and there's no like understanding of melody changing from instrument to instrument or things like that. And but anyway, I, to uh, where do we want to be? But to counter your point real quick, I don't think we're ripping the idea of avant-garde. I don't think we're ripping that idea at all. I think we're saying like we don't enjoy the product of avant-garde, but the process, you're more than welcome to do. Mm-hmm. Like, the process of avant-garde, you're more than welcome to yeah. do. You're more than welcome to experiment and create. But I'm going to give you the opinion based on the music you give me to listen to. Sure. And it All was right, Alex, dog water. Um, so I just want to mention a couple things. Um, one of the uh, band members, uh, Panda Bear, I believe, um, has said that Avi Ter, his songwriting, is comparable to the songwriting of Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac. Oh, yeah, I hear that now. Yeah, in case you guys wanted that comparison. (laughs) And according to their Wikipedia page, Animal Collective are often compared to the American rock band The Beach Boys. 
Oh yeah, I hear that too. Clear, clear Even Beach so much Boys meets Fleetwood Mac. So much so that their uh, their last album, Painting With, was recorded in the studio space uh, that Brian Wilson used for uh, Pet Sounds and Smile. Which shows you that studio space is not as important as the band in it. No, yeah, definitely. I guess so. Um, but I'll, I'll, yeah, so um, I, I, I get what you guys are saying. I think they get, like, they get credit because they're writing the songs. Uh, yeah. And I mean, they yeah. get credit because they're writing, like, what they're writing is, is not easy to write. But they, they get points taken away because it doesn't sound good at all. They get points taken away because they're like like Pat said, they're actively making the wrong choices. Yes, yeah. exactly. So like I, making I, a bunch of terrible choices on purpose because it's different doesn't make you a genius. See, I I find myself just in the same like I think like I find myself in the same like two lo- yeah. high ones, low twos. Right. I agree. Kind of. Uh, yeah, and but I would w- I want to be in the ones this time. Fine. How like about a, a 1.8? Yes. You got yes. it. Poetic okay, Talent. What are we thinking for Poetic Talent? I didn't listen to any uh, lyrics. And zero. I, yeah, there, I, there I mean, you, no... can't, you can't hear the words on Ever. the first album. I mean, you just can't hear them. Like, I couldn't distinguish them, to no, be clear. No, they're not real syllables of words. And the, on the third album, yeah. they just trade syllables back and forth like barking yeah. dogs. Was... <laughs> so, like, just, it just makes it totally, like, unlistenable. The I only, really only quote-unquote lyrics you get is the second album, and they're not good. Right. They're very repetitive. They're, sure. they're, they're mm-hmm. too sound weird. Yeah. So, so where are you at, Pat? Like point two, point three. That low? No. I kidding. mean, they're not real words. Like, all you, right. So all two right, out right. of the three albums we listened Look, to didn't I'm have not real here words. I'm to argue with you. Look, I'm just I saying, like, that's it. what it boils I didn't think down they were to. Good. You're right. You're right. So you you get thirty three percent of the albums to even discuss the words on, and those sure. words aren't good. All right, I'll give them the point three. I don't think there's an X factor. Shall we move on? Yes. Uh, their names. They have an X Factor. They do best, have great best names. names we've ever heard. So it's a point zero zero one. That, first okay. down that's to not a zero. true. You're right. That's those are not the entire list of best names we've heard. Because no one will beat that one guy that did the album art for that one band that I would not remember yes. anyone's Storm name. Storm Thorgerson. But Storm anyway, Thorgerson. Let's, yes. Let's move on to Chet Atkins. Okay, Chet Atkins. Chester Atkins, Chester Burton Atkins. That's correct. Uh, also known as Mr. Guitar or the Country Gentleman. The Country Gentleman. gentleman. Uh, so he was an American musician, occasional vocalist, apparently, uh, songwriter, okay. and record producer. Uh, so that's that's who we're dealing with here. He was active from 1942 till 1996. Right. You know, long time. Yeah, a nice long career. Yeah, and uh, we went over we went over three of Mr. Atkins's albums. Yeah. So we went over. Not that there were that many to do. Easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Come on. He's everywhere. So Chet Atkins's Gallopin' Guitar, which was released in 1953. Mm-hmm. Then Chet Atkins's Workshop, which was released in 1960. And then Solo Sessions, which was released in 2003. Right. Those other 85 solo and collaboration albums that he came out with in his career, we didn't quite get to. Yet, yeah. Unfortunately. So unable to find a way to listen to all of that yeah i don't think a week would have been enough time probably not uh, especially with doing two other artists exactly uh but that's what we did uh so i went first for animal collective i'm assuming nick's going first for chad atkins i guess that would make sense um so i was excited to do chad atkins i was excited to do this part because you know um as a guitarist i find him super inspirational uh i mean he's really 
honestly, like one of the most influential guitarists of the last hundred years. I mean, hands down. Uh, now, and his yeah. technique backs it up. Now, Nick, but, I know you're going to say good things about Chet Atkins. I am. You, what you're saying right now, you're like, I was super excited to listen to Chet Atkins because his guitar playing super. Inf- it sounds like you're about to yeah, you're bomb about to this album. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, so. <laughs> No, this I really enjoyed it. It's a very short little listen. I mean, they're only eight songs. They're all in like the two and a half minute range. Um, I wish Animal Collective was inspired by him. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, But, I mean, his iconic style of playing, uh, his picking style, all on full display here throughout these eight little songs. Uh, Every one of them was really enjoyable to listen to. Some very recognizable stuff uh, because... While he writes like maybe one or two songs on each of most of his albums, a lot of it is him arranging other people's stuff. Uh, and he does a great job of those arrangements too. Yeah. Lover Come Back to Me um, was probably uh, Oscar Hammerstein. Uh, yes. Really liked his version uh, of that song. Uh, the version I heard, I don't know about you guys, because so- a lot of the stuff I had to kind of YouTube. I, had um, but a, he did acoustically. I found playlists that were really good. Okay, yeah, I found a, pl- a good playlist for a second one. But uh, Lover Come Back to Me, he did acoustically, so he kind of goes back and forth. You never know if you're going to catch yeah. him on like a, on a scratch or an acoustic. Uh, and I love both, you know, regardless of whether he's electric or acoustic. He's got a great touch, uh, a great tone, great technique. Um, it's just like a clinic in finger-picking every time you listen to Chet Atkins. He's, he's great at it. So, uh, And when you're doing, a lot of these songs are single guitar arrangements. Not all of them, um, but a lot of them are. So you have to be good uh, to keep someone's attention or to make a track work for two minutes yeah. just for solo guitar. Uh, and he has the chops to do it. And that's what I'll say. Cool. Uh, I'll go second. Uh, and and here's what I'll say. One thing that you said that was interesting to me is you specified uh, the difference between the Gretsch and an acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Gretsch, which for people who may not know, is a style of guitar very commonly company. known as a hollow body with F holes in it. To give it well, like that's, that pseudo that Most of their famous sound. models are, are like that, yeah. Yeah, that's And to be clear, I mean, Chet Atkins also in a lot of ways like was the face of the Gretsch guitar brand for a yeah. very long time. Like, Chet Atkins is the reason why that company stayed in business. Like, he brought them so much popularity sure. to several styles of guitar. The 6120, to be precise. Yeah. So, uh, here's what I'll say. I listened to this album twice. The first time through, I was bored. I was bored, and and I I'm getting, I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. I was I was listening to it, and I'm like, oh my god, there's not that much here. It's super simple, like, I, and and part of that's your fault, Nick, just because you you kind of built him up a little bit to me. Yeah, I am a big fan. Yeah, so I mean, I'm listening to it, I'm bored and stuff, and then I'm like, okay, let me listen to it again. He's he's old school. That's fine. And upon the second listen, after doing a little bit of research. I realized that we're in that same territory that we were in with certain other older acts. He's doing something that I've heard a million times, but he was the first one to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's interesting. He was like, he yeah. was originating these sounds. So, yeah. w- you know, through that lens, yes, it's something that I've heard since then, but mm-hmm. it's not something that was being heard in this time period. So, right. Yeah. I mean, he's largely. Re- credited with reviving the role of right. country music in American culture. Exactly. So I, just being clear, like if you're just taking this at its value of music, it's it's a little simple. It's a little simple sure. in compare in comparison to today's music. To be fair, not the guitar arrangements, which are difficult 
and well done. Correct. And that's, I was going to actually bring that point up. I'm just saying, like, in general. So there's no vocals, and it's pretty much just a simple backing arrangement with a pretty, as Nick mentioned, complex guitar arrangement over top of it. Mm -hmm. If you like music history and you like listening to the creation and the originators of things, you will enjoy this. And I enjoy it. Or if you're interested in guitar. Yeah, or if you're interested in the in the technical side of the guitar, which unfortunately I'm not. I I but as a right as, as a, a music band, lover, I, I knew that I was going to be the one most into him. Right, and as a music right lover, start, I definitely fun. like after listening to after looking at the history stuff. I love music history, so that stuff breathed life into this for me. So on the second listen, significantly more enjoyable as I was getting to hear the creation of these things that I've heard a million times since. Yeah. All right, Al. I hated it. it sucked. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, Chad Atkins, I, I think I'm on the same page as Pat. It was yeah. it was kind of a boring listen, but it's not really with, with Chad Atkins. I mean, at the time, it could have been uh, like it, it was great. Like he was revolutionizing the instrument. Um, just for me personally, it was just like kind of something that like it, every single song of his just sounded familiar, which I think and a lot shows of them are his very familiar. His, yeah, yeah, shows his influence, but like. Like every song, I kind of had the vague, like, "Oh, I've heard this before," and then kind of some of them, and not so much on this album, um, but like some of them kind of suffered from a lot of sameziness to the the song previously. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I while the album kind of didn't really do it for me, his Chet Atkins style and and his ability on the guitar and and his influence definitely did do it for me. Right, Which, and that's exactly where I yeah. ended up as well. Yeah, which will take me to his second album, Chad Atkins Workshop, right. which the first album was like totally country. This one's totally jazz. Um and yeah. uh, I'm 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 really in the same place. Like <laughs> it didn't do much for me. Um I I think that he definitely it's definitely interesting to hear him play in the jazz um style because I personally I know a lot of guitarists that kind of sound like him and and you can hear how they influence like I like guitars who have gone to, to my college um, mm-hmm. are influenced by him. Sure, Maybe yeah. not, 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 or not even, even indirectly, but like yeah. somebody who was influenced by exactly. Him. Yeah. So it, it's a, he, a lot of these songs are are nice. The 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 first track is good. Um, Lambeth Walk. Mm-hmm. I really like the 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 swing to it. Um, it's really nice. But beyond that, like kind of more of the same. A little bit boring, but total respect sure. for the man. Uh, well, Pat, I'll I'll like? go second again. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, I I actually liked this one more than the first one, except the one big issue for me, which wasn't really an issue, there were uh, multiple songs on here where, because you know, I kind of passively was listening to it a little bit, tuning in <laughs> here and there in my brain. Um, <laughs> I was like, is this a Christmas album? Because <laughs> a lot of this stuff sounded like Christmas, and then I realized um, a couple of them are. Not Christmas, but Christmas adjacent. Sure. In particular, one of them, uh, the song Marie, which is where I really was like, is this a Christmas album? Is written by Irving Berlin, who very yeah. famously wrote the song White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was similar. Uh, yeah. But, it, you know, and th- nothing wrong with that. I just was a little interested. Uh, loved the song Goofus, mainly just for the title Goofus. Of course. A bold choice. Um, right. But yeah, it's a lot of more of the same stuff. Chet Atkins, technically very good. Um, music has 
you know, evolved past this being enough uh, to catch modern audiences. It's but, it sucks how you know with 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 this kind of like the early sixties stuff. You you can barely talk about the albums because the albums suffer from like they're like they they're not dated. doing anything particularly inventive inventive to yeah now. to now and sure. so it sucks. It's but it's like you know at the time they were the super, building blocks are important. A hundred percent. It's literally like, you know, obviously if you sit that here and compare Alexander Graham Bell's phone with my current cell phone, Bell's right. phone looks like garbage. But you but, need it. but we needed it. We never would get here without that. And it's the same thing. Exactly. You would yeah, like it just sucks. We're like, all standing I, all all modern musicians stand on the shoulders of musicians like Chet Atkins. For sure. Who create for sure and innovate certain things and all we can do as modern day musicians is hope that 50 60 years from now someone's standing on our shoulders yeah of course and it it just sucks because like for i i know for me personally like it it for i feel like it's i'm i'm shitting on the album like because i just don't have much good to say about it but like chet atkins is so good it's just like the Mm -hmm. album suffer from just being kind of of that era and just kind of a little bit boring sure but like Chad Atkins really pushed the envelope for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah. So I want to say a few more things about him in this album in particular, uh, which I agree with the, the jazzier direction uh, and all that stuff. Definitely different. Although I do think he sneaks in like his country style licks and lines on occasion. Yeah. Like when you're listening closely, you can still hear that that's part of his repertoire. Um, yeah. But he recorded this in his home studio. He recorded a lot of his albums in his home studio because he was also a very prolific recorder uh, of other bands. So he was like recording and producing other pretty famous acts. Like he produced, he was producing records for Elvis, Perry Como, um, Waylon Jennings, and a bunch of other people like that while he was still recording his own music. Uh, so in his home studio, he actually also... Uh, built a lot of his own equipment uh so he was also like very technically gifted uh with being able to build a lot of this stuff and like the electronics that go along with music which i think was really cool and that Uh, actually i knew about that and i'm glad you brought that up that is awesome yeah super like that side of it is so interesting to me the ability to like what i have doesn't do exactly what i want i'm gonna make it yeah that's so Uh, and i don't yeah, and I don't know if you guys noticed this on this album, but one thing I definitely hear uh, is like a very primitive sort of like delay effect on his guitar at times, or like a very mm-hmm. very wet. Reverb. I did. No, I, de- I definitely. Yeah. I the like kind of like a really long slap back. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of wondering. I wonder to some extent if he was building those pedals and things himself to get those effects. Uh, or if those were just like things that he was picking up as someone really prominent in studios uh, and kind of on the cutting edge of music technology. But this is, I mean, I would imagine these are amongst the earliest recordings where you can hear that type of effect, I which I like think the, is pretty cool. The delay might have been around, because this was made in the 60s. It and, was made in 1960, I think. Yeah, so so uh, from, just from the Wikipedia page of the delay, it was developed in the 1940s, 50s. But okay. it, it's kind of one of those things you you don't hear so much. No, like, definitely not. But, and so to hear it kind of really prominent in yeah, in, it, is, it was interesting. Really interesting. It was the, yeah. It's certainly the first like early influence record we've listened to where effects like that are standing out to me, and I'm like, oh wow, how about that? Um, so I'll move into the last album, which is Solo Sessions. Uh, it's a posthumous album. It's a double album. 
a lot of it is just like you know his collected music um that he i guess hadn't otherwise put out um so it was difficult to find let's just get that out of the way uh it was very yeah. difficult to find to the point where i was just like youtubing each one of these songs with chet atkins's name and trying to find any version of them mm-hmm. um so i got a, a really wide variety of recordings from different albums some from solo sessions itself uh others versions of the song he had either been playing live so i got a variety of live performances for some of these songs that ranged from the 50s to the 90s uh and i will say i mean the quality of playing was always incredibly uh high on all of them regardless of the decade he was playing in um so with all that stuff out of the way like it's difficult to find we really had to piecemeal this album together uh again i would say more of the same for me which is really great finger style guitar He's putting on a clinic and technique all the time. Like he's obviously like remarkably gifted. A ton of these songs I got to listen to where, where prior it was mostly he was playing electric, uh, with some acoustic songs sprinkled in. There was a lot more acoustic here, and I think his playing on the acoustic guitar is like also particularly beautiful. Uh, so I enjoyed listening to each one of his arrangements. I enjoyed listening to every one of these songs. There are no low lights. If you're not someone who's like super interested in the guitar technique and all that stuff like i could understand why you guys might have gotten bored going through with this stuff um but just like being in all of his playing all the time uh regardless of whether he was like just you know a younger guy in the early 50s playing these uh or an older man in the 90s like just really enjoyed whatever he brought to the table uh, a, a fantastic musician so i think anytime you get to listen to him play is is a good thing for me Sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I'm I'm hold up. I just got down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So I'm going to Okay. I'm going to say my piece about the album and then go down this rabbit hole. Please. Um I I listened to the actual th- three of the actual songs that were on the album because sure. I didn't want to listen to like versions that he did previously to yeah. making it. It was tough um, to get there. Yeah, and it's really hard to find. But like Chet Atkins, it's one of those things that I I think when you when you're that good, the talent doesn't necessarily go away. Yeah. Like 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 when you age your vocals sometimes degrade sure. and but that's you know, not what we're worrying about here yeah but with with him like he still sounds just as good as he did when he was a kid and so i think i listened to yesterday's um which was a very uh somber take on it well i mean yeah it's a somber song but like it, right. it sounded great i think he really did a good job on that um but the three songs i heard it, it was great but what i we were talking about delay and so i'm i looked up oh, okay. De- delay and so um the with with delay and we're gonna go on a tangent here yeah that's um, okay i'm interested it, it used to be um a machine that would do it you would you would record mm-hmm. it would go through a machine well first it was two amplifiers set up and one of them was on a little bit of a delay and okay then gotcha. you would record that then it became a machine that would do the work for it so then it would be um like the the Roland space echo was was a machine that had like okay. it built into it so you'd have to run it through there and then it would echo and then um a, a guy named ray butts great name Made, Absolutely. A, made an echo sonic <laughs> guitar amplifier which um was had a, a built-in uh tape up echo effect so he he built the first one and kept it and then he sold the second one to chet atkins ah. and then so and then so chet atkins and him had like a good relationship uh, and uh, apparently according to the the ray butts echo sonic wikipedia page he helped chet atkins set up a recording studio and then he invented a humbucker pickup, uh, like ba- because Atkins wanted it. Yeah. That was adopted by Gretsch, the company. 
for, okay. for and his used guitars. On guitars. Yeah, used on the guitars. So I like not only was he like definitely like so Ray he Butts, was really was, at the forefront of this technology. He was really Butts. at the forefront, okay. and and even so, like pushing. You know, maybe you can't do it yourself, but pushing other people to yeah. get that innovation. I think that's that's really cool. That's, Shout yeah, out to I'm glad that you went down that rabbit hole. That was a good yeah. I, I I was looking at it. I was like I was trying to figure it out. And yeah. So yeah. Nice. So good research. I, really a good a good um. Good on uh, Chad Atkins really pushing that album. Yeah. But yeah, the album was good. Um, sounds great. You know, can't go wrong with Chad Atkins. Okay, Patrick, close cool. us out. Uh, yeah, I'll be brief. Uh, I really enjoyed the songs that I got to listen to on this. I, like you, found choice cuts. Uh, it was a little tough to find this one in wide release, uh, and it's not streamable uh, on any platform. But I really enjoyed it. And the one that I want to just call out because a lot of it's really a lot of the same stuff in my listens. I I watched a video of him performing La Vie en Rose from 1991. So he was 67 yeah, the years videos old. videos that they look like they were taken on like a yeah. handheld camera recorder in France. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a lot of these songs in that. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. One of my favorite performances of La Vie en Rose. I prefer it with vocals. I'm, sure. I'm a singer. I, I like listening to vocals, but easily my favorite instrumental version of that, which I've heard a ton of because a lot of people do it instrumentally. Right. Uh, so yeah. just had to call that out. And he's at 67. Dude is playing his absolute face off. So talented. No degradation with age no. at all. No, and that's a good point you bring up the fact like he's not just like a technical wizard on the guitar. He's got a lot of touch, feel, emotion to what he yeah. plays as well. Like that that's all very clear. Uh and I guess let's just grade him. So no one's heard of Chad at no I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> right. He's not important. He's I mean got he's some... gonna be one of our very high scoring uh, artists here. He's and he's got some floors, so let's get them out of the way. Oh, for sure. Rock and roll hall of fame, country music hall of fame, musicians hall of fame. Correct. Just you know, put them yeah, right 14 out. Fourteen Grammys, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, nine, nine CMAs, yeah, nine CMAs, yeah, all that. So stuff. all that being said, yeah. like maybe a five or six. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And obviously, I mean, like the so dude. It's, so it's how much below ten is he? Is it not a lot? He's in the nines. <laughs> not a lot. He's, He's in the definitely nines. in the nines. But I mean, like country music as we know it from the fifties onwards was largely architected and brought back to life by Chet Atkins as well. Yeah. I mean, it was like his development of what's called now the Nashville sound that really brought an entire genre that was dying on the charts and sales, like, back to life. Yeah. And plus his his influence on, on guitar players, because I, I It's think, super high, yeah. Yeah, like, I think he, reading, and I'm sure Nick knows this, reading the Wikipedia page, I think George Harrison was really influenced by Chet oh, Atkins. Oh, yeah, if you listen to All My Loving, like, it's very clear very to hear that's like a Chet yes. Atkins-style solo. Like, go yeah. listen to that song, and you'll have a really good sound, or, you know, if you already know it, which a lot of you, I'm sure, do, that's the, the style. Like, that's the Chet Atkins sound. And you know that was probably really influential to everybody else. So like to influential everybody, yeah, by people who come afterwards. Absolutely. So, I'm gonna I throw out a number. Sure, nine point four. I'm higher than that. I I'm think higher I, than that too. I think I'm like maybe like I I'm f- I'm flooring out at a nine point six. But I was I thinking agree. I was like in the higher half of the nine as well. I was thinking a nine seven as well. Why Why do you think lower, Pat? Like I I just want to know. Like why do you think lower? I think that we're get. I think that the the realm that we're getting into above a nine and a half. I just I feel like should be a little more limited. 
So I feel like over I, nine, I you're limited, influencing, we, and you're 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 a groundbreaker when you're over a nine. Yeah, I here's think what I would yeah. say. Like we gave Fats Domino, and I think deservedly so, a nine point nine, and he got a nine point nine instead of a ten, mostly because he was like super reserved and not out there at all as a like he was yeah. on the stage or he was putting out a record but otherwise you didn't hear about him and he tried to keep entirely to himself mm-hmm. um whereas like i mean chet atkins is that instrumental figure that fats domino was for rock and roll to country and you can't sit here and say that country's mm-hmm. not an incredibly popular genre to this day oh like, i'm not saying that he's not right. you know what i mean like someone who's that much of an architect has to be given that kind of credit and i see chet atkins as a very similar figure to someone like fats domino chuck berry buddy holly little richard like i see him uh as being very similar but just in a like in a slightly different place yeah i i i'm i'm really i i think i'm a little bit higher i think i i get what you're saying where it's like the above nine and a half is really reserved but i think i think chet atkins is one of those names that's it's reserved for i agree Okay. All right. I think I think and and we were just talking about like how he was a pioneer with with the delay pedal and mm-hmm. you know employing employing other people right. to invent stuff that kind of pushed the boundaries. And I will bit. also say like I mean Les Paul and Gibson uh, was like the biggest name like that's your signature guitar. Yeah. Chet Atkins and the Gretsch guitars like pretty Les and Chet were obviously like friends. They did an album together and everything. But, like, those two were very much pioneers in the whole signature model of guitar idea. You know, like, Chet Atkins' name on the Gretsch brand is why they're, at least to some extent, still around today and popular. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so so where, yeah. do, you, where do we want to settle at? I mean, I was agreeing with you at 9-7. Okay. I'm cool with that. Oh, 9-7, right. I'm cool with it. Okay. Uh, Breadth of Work, he only had 88 albums. Now, to be fair... 58 if you don't include any of his collaborations with other artists, which were like, depends on the situation when we do that. Either way, it's a butt ton of albums. Yes. Very much. Now, when it comes to uh, sales thresholds, there's nothing that we could see on here. So I did a little bit of digging of my own. Uh, And according at least to the Washington Post, who like wrote an article after he passed uh, about him and his career, uh, according to the Washington Post article, Chet Atkins had sold, at that time in 2001, 75 million records. Which is good. So, 58 to 88 albums, 75 million records, solid quality. I think you got to do pretty well on those metrics. I mean, Definitely. it would be hard not to give them a good score. What are you thinking? What are you thinking for a number? Uh, me? Little, yeah. I would probably, like, bottom out in the very high eights. For, for that many albums and 75 million sales. What about you, Pat? Yeah, I mean, I could go there. I could, I could, I could get there. I mean, it would be hard not to. Yeah, I agree. Like, what I would agree. be the justification of not going there to at I least, think, like, an 8.9? Yeah, I think an 8.9 is good. Okay. And uh, I think Because I, I think the stuff he does is, like, like he was definitely very influential, but when you sure. listen to this stuff, it's not necessarily pushing it Like, I mean, honestly, that's not even with a huge quality bump at all. Like, that's a yeah. 88, 58 to 88 albums with 75 million sales. Like, that's yeah. almost just, like, where you would sit regardless. Uh, and instrumental talent has also got to be really high. I mean, Chet Atkins is, like, a fantastic guitarist. He was Rolling Stones 21 uh, when they did their top 100 Don't guitarist list. Don't quote their lists. You're not going to get any you points. You quoted it before. That. 
You've quoted it before to me. I quoted it before as a joke. You quoted it in like the Paul Simon episode. And Chet Atkins is a much better guitar player than Paul Simon. No offense to Paul Simon, who's very good, but Chet Atkins is legendary status on the instrument. Like, you can't talk me out of the nines. No, I. so I think I'm in the lower nines, though. I'm also in the like, lower okay. nines. I, I think maybe like a 9.1, 9.2, maybe. He, he's, he's masterful at one instrument. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, For sure. he, you know, there's no singing involved. The other instruments on the albums, nothing special. At I'll least nothing out there special. Yeah, 9.2 is, is about where I'll I take can it. top Fair. out. Fair enough. I mean, I think a lot of that is just like weighing where what he was doing versus where the guitar has gone since. Well, uh, uh, but, uh, but also, he was an I mean, the problem is a craft. lot of it is just we're only supposed to go over the like for the for these ones, the stuff we listened to. So sure. like, yes, he has fifty eight plus albums of of doing this and and right and 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 performing this, but you know, the stuff that he did, the stuff that we listened to was. A little more tame, sure. Than a lot of right. other stuff we've listened to. Uh, moving on. So songwriting talent. He doesn't write a lot of his own songs. No, I, just I don't be think very he wrote. Did that. he write a single song that we listened to? Yeah, he wrote. I think two on the first album. Maybe one. Maybe two on the second. Okay. Uh, so he he doesn't write a lot of his own songs. Uh, he'll get a little bit of credit for that. I think the vast majority of his songwriting talent is attributable to arrangements. Yeah, I okay. mean, yeah. I don't think this is like he he certainly doesn't floor here or anything like that. Uh, I mean, he still gets a couple of points because he arranges the songs very nicely, and the songs that he does write himself are in no way a drop off in quality from his, the you know covers on his albums. Yeah, and it's, it's hard okay. to do the guitar arrangement for stuff. But go yeah, ahead. So, ben. just looking at the three albums we did. Yep, we listened to. At most, and probably not, just based on solo sessions in general, four Chad Atkins songs. Yeah, that sounds about right. I couldn't tell you which ones are the Chad Atkins and which ones are. So, on Gallop and Guitar, he's credited for Hangover Blues and Imagination, and he's credited for Galloping on the Guitar. Yep. Um, And then in solo sessions... Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of his albums are like. A solo session, is he even on anything in that? On the B-side, he's credited as To Be or Not To Be. And okay. dear old daddy, got it. So, I, which I didn't hear either of those. Yeah, uh, I mean, like the twos, maybe. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could, uh, maybe it's yeah. I could guess I could go to a two. Really, you're that low. You think the arrangements don't merit anything? We've had this discussion before, and I think the, I mean here's the difference. If it if you if we weren't giving him credit for the arrangements, I'd be giving him a point two. Because he wrote, I don't know if that's entirely fair. I mean, he wrote, if we weren't crediting him for the arrangements, he wrote four songs out of like forty, and those right, are just what I'm, we listened to. But if he only wrote one song on every album, let's just say of his, you know, I wouldn't be still enough, enough to put up like it like would still be enough for like albums. five or six albums at minimum. You know what I'm I, saying? Like it's not like he has less than that much of his own work. I mean, but so, I'm just basing it on what I saw, which is sure. I mean, I'm not saying it can't be a lower score, but I think we gotta you know come to grips with the fact that like he did write a couple albums worth of his own music and we can't just be like well he only has four songs that's just like I'm take just, that as a representative sample of his work and extrapolate what, i'm it basing it on the three albums we listened to right and i'm extrapolating from those three onto his others i guess i'm trying to i don't want to i mean i think a two is too that. low i'm not saying it can't be high, it can't be a lower than average score but i think a two is too low I see, but I I think with the songwriting, we it's 
we don't get uh, we're you're giving too much credit to the arrangement part of it which i think it, his arrangements yeah. are great mm-hmm. but it, you, you don't he's taking a piece of clay that already existed and remolding yeah. it he's and, not and, he's not forging and i think it that's that's less meritable than writing the songs i'll give him two and a half i would be willing to go down to two uh, and a half okay i can settle at two and a half i i'll live with it i just I think mean, that yeah. i think that f- that you're fighting for points because you know the next category is going to be a business. Oh, he gets a point one for, yeah. for poetic. Obviously, yeah. I mean, but, I just think we should be fair to the amount of songs that he actually wrote over the course of his career. Yeah, but we didn't listen to as much. And and sure. like Pat's saying, it's, it's what we listen to. It's what to. we listen to. Right, but I'm just saying, like, when we have an artist who has six albums of songs they wrote, we're not like, but we only heard three, so they only wrote three albums of music. You know what? I, that's what I think that we would be doing by only giving him well, credit for four songs. I, I don't know. I feel like that's different. Like, and if an artist wrote all of the al- all of the songs on their album or only has one or two covers, that's a lot easier to extrapolate over six albums than he wrote two sure. songs on one album, zero songs on one album, sure, and technically two songs on the last album, although that's posthumous that's and just collected. Yes. And it was a double right. album, so really one song each album. So, yeah. I mean, like, I think I, I'll, I'll give you, I would like to maybe go to a 2.4 if, if I had to pick cherries, but I'm really not. Um, I mean, we can live with a 2.5. It's yeah, fine. I can live with it's it. It's fine. I can live with I mean, it. He but gets I a, think it's a point one on Poetic. There's no words. Let's just move on from that. The only question is how much X Factor at this point, and then we can move on from him because I think he's got a few points of X Factor here, and we've uh, already discussed many of the reasons why. So here's here's what I'll say. I want to give him two points of X Factor. Um, the Lifetime Achievement Award is one point, and I want to give him a point specifically for the being at the forefront of the technology bump in in music. What would you say about? I mean, he also completely reshaped what country music is. I think a lot of that. I mean, I I think mean we that's gave him a, a nine-seven. We gave him a nine-seven. Sure, but seven. I'm saying like that's that's like a. a he didn't create country a, music. No, no, but he created the genre this, bump. Is what if you country create. music was like like I mean, like country Nick music pre Chet Atkins and country music post Chet Atkins were two different things. I, is again, what I'm he took something that already existed and maybe reforged it, but that's not the same as creating something from scratch. Right, but it's not like we wouldn't say like. You created the genre of psychedelic rock, so that's points. You created progressive rock, so that's two points. Like, those are, I mean, rock was an already existing thing, but we say you were at the forefront of rock and roll, but rock and roll is really just derived from blues. So unless you invented the blues, you don't get points. I mean, I feel like that's, I feel like that's a generalization, but if you want to give them points for it, I, can, I, I'm I, I think, it. like, it doesn't even have to be, like, the full two. But I do think that he makes such an impact on what the sound of country music is that in some ways he completely reinvented that genre. Yeah, from, from, from his Wikipedia, I'm mentioning that, Rolling Stone credited Atkins with inventing the pop-wise Nashville sound that rescued country music from a commercial slump. And, and I think the key word there is inventing. Like he's, mm-hmm. in, he's really taking what country music was Inventing a new sound for it that really influenced okay. what country music has become today. Yeah. So and instead so, of a four, I'm asking you for a three, is what I'm saying. Okay. I don't really think that's too much for an artist like this. I mean, sure. Okay. I, I think you're just I being feel a hater like on him. I'm not being a hater on him. I just feel like we found ways to give him extra points on almost every category, and I, I just that kind of bugs me. Well, I, I, I yeah, don't no, no, that. I'm with Pat. If if, like if we've we, given him extra points, if we give him a four, and, then we give him a two in uh, songwriting. We gave him Take extra points in songwriting. We gave him higher than I wanted on cultural impact, which a lot of that argument was already done in cultural impact, and now we're redoing it here. 
we've had the whole that, reason we've had that we've had this argument all the time. Though. But the reason That's we true. gave him a not like I wanted to go lower in the nines, and then you guys were like, "But he, you know, all this country music." Like then we gave him a higher score for it, and now we're arguing more points for that same exact reason. But here's the thing: no, no, no. We we had this exact same conversation for Ray Charles, where we argued uh, yeah, he's a ten in cultural impact, and then we argued the same exact thing for X Factor. It's just because mm-hmm. it's not something that you enjoy as much That's, that you're arguing I, it different, lower. No, it's is I, a thing though. I, I no, like I think that argument. that the. That Chet Atkins is definitely high in in his influence and his impact on. I on agree with c- you. Guitarists and country music, and we gave it that in culture impact, and then we give him the X factor for inventing the the sound that punched country music back up into the air. Yes, I guess. Right. Let's move on All right. to Ben Folds. Okay, Ben Folds. Benjamin, 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 how are you? Benjamin Scott Folds, American singer, songwriter, musician, composer, record producer, uh, who's been active since 1988 all the way to the present day with no breaks. The man takes no breaks. Right. Keeps working. (laughs) Just just works. Just working through it. Uh, So we covered three albums from Ben Folds, also known as Ben Folds' three albums, um, roughly. Give or take. Give or take a few. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are some collaborations that found their way in here, is what Pat's trying to say. There are, but that's fine. That's completely fine. That happens. Uh, so the three albums that we did, as far as I'm aware of them, is we did Rock in the Suburbs from 2001. So then far, we so did, good. I want to say, I want to say Songs for Silverman. You are so wrong. No? Am I wrong? We did not you do are. songs for Silverman. Which, what's the second one we did? Wait, wait to normal. normal. Oh, duh, wait to normal. Which I hold on, let me make sure. Which I did listen to. Had to check the cover uh, art. Oh, good. Um, yeah. I also listened to song for Silverman, um, just because it was on and I was bored. Um, and then we listened sure. to So There. Yes, that's that. Awesome, Alex, you're up, buddy. All right, prefacing this, uh, I absolutely love Ben Folds. I am a huge Ben Folds fan. I've seen him live at this point. Um, three times and was supposed to go for a fourth. I've met him two times. Um, great guy. Love him. Uh, but so I'm, I'm going to have very high praise on him. Um, so his first album, Rockin' the Suburbs, um, released on 9-11, yeah. unfortunately. Um, yeah. Very, very upsetting. Um, this is a great album. And it's. I think this is one of those kinds of um, albums that like a solo musician makes where it's just like, I just want to play every instrument like Paul does mm-hmm. like a bunch of other instruments. Does. So, um, Ben folds plays every instrument on this album, the piano, the, the guitars, the bass, the drums. And I think he does it great. Um, I'm going to try not to like, you know, sure. To talk him up too much, but I think there's a lot to really love on this album. Um, his songwriting on, on every song. And I know I don't listen to lyrics as much, but, uh, and I won't take this from Pat because I know Pat wants to talk about it, but I think his lyric writing is really amazing. Um, I think that he has a knack for writing really great melodies, um, I, and and melodies that not only um, are, are catchy and, and good to sing along to, but kind of evoke the emotion of the song. Um, and yeah, I, I just really love Ben Folds. I don't want to talk too much because I I'm just, I can go on for hours about him. Of course, but so I'll, I'll pass it off to whoever wants to go next. You go next, Nick. Do you want to go? You want me to go? I said you first. You go. Fair enough. Uh, So, 
Uh, I knew one song on this record already, which was Rock in the Suburbs, the title track. And, and I already loved that song. And, and I knew that, you know, based on Alex's heavy praise, and Pat is also a little bit of a Ben Fold stan as well, uh, I knew that I was probably in for something that I was going to enjoy. Uh, and the first song, Annie Waits, is the one place where I will make my only uh, real critique of this record, which is I really liked the song and it was a strong start, but I. God, I wish he just played the drums on it instead of the drum machine part at the end, especially that I found just the tiniest bit distracting. Like if he would have because his drumming on every other song, I think is good. I just did not like the choice to use a drum machine on Annie Waits. Uh, and that's pretty much the only choice on this record I didn't like. Uh, otherwise, uh, it was it was a really great record to listen to from beginning to end. Uh, great vocal arrangements. The music was always interesting. Uh, the lyrics were always interesting. Uh, I particularly like the, a couple parts that stand out to me. The cello on Fred Jones Part 2, beautiful. Uh, absolutely loved it. Uh, and the song The Ascent of Stan, great piano parts. Also a wonderful little banjo outro uh, towards the end, which I thought was great too. Um, all in all, a great record. Always, always fun and interesting to listen to. Particularly enjoyed the arrangements of every song. Okay, so I'll talk for a couple, couple hours here. Um... <laughs> Perfect. I love Ben Fold, man. It's like, how can you not talk for a couple hours about him? So the main thing that I want to say is this is a quote-unquote debut album. However, this is not a debut album. Ben Folds right, has been making music with, with the, the Ben five. Folds 5. Uh, so this is just the solo debut of Ben Folds, who is an established musician at this point. And I always, I always want to point that out when it comes up because there's a very clear difference to me in just the the overall comfort with creation that comes sure. with the experience of doing it. And this album is a masterstroke in that. Like, the, the writing all the way through is consistently Ben Folds. It has this simplicity to it. Uh, Alex, you said it really, really well when we were talking about it earlier in the week. He writes like people talk, mm -hmm. which makes him incredibly relatable sure. you are able to relate his message and it just tugs at your heartstrings in such a unique way because he's writing in such a conversational way i feel like a lot of you know a lot of times it's a little tough to write conversationally in songs because the very nature of a song is that you're you're singing it at someone basically right they're listening to it but they don't get to respond but like the way that Ben Folds writes, and I mean it's true of in of, of the music of the five as well, the Ben Folds five, but it's especially true in this particular case. Uh, Fred Jones Part Two, extremely extremely emotional. Uh, you know, carrying Kathy, heart wrenching throughout that song. He, but it's all, like even when he's writing sad, there's such this like reserved, like almost like hermit nature to Ben Folds in the writing where it's like he he you can feel him bottling up the emotion even though he's clearly writing and talking about it right and I find that that kind of juxtaposition so interesting I mean melodically it's beautiful all the way through I also love the string arrangements I love that Ben Folds is credited on so many different instruments on the album that's always very yep, yep. you know it's always impressive to me uh, but the writing particularly here, like very, very impressive to me all the way through. Yeah. 
So and I'll, I'm going to add a okay, couple couple more things too. Of course. Um, just just because I wanted to hear you guys talk and then and to spill a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. I think that uh, one thing that that we're not mentioning, um, his instrumental talent is absolutely amazing too. Like he's oh, he's yeah. one we'll of about that. one of the best piano players as well, mm-hmm. and and vocally he sounds amazing. Um, but um, the 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 ending track, the luckiest, is a oh, really yeah. popular wedding song as well. And that song, like I I think that's like one of my favorite, like pure just love songs. Even though the lyrics are like a little weird at times and not really like, but like it just, it, there's something about it that just feels completely, and it's because like the entire song is like Pac-Bell's canon, um, and that's mm-hmm. why it kind of evokes that nature, but it's just like the entire song is just completely like, you, you just like, you're like, man, love, dude, crazy, but yeah, cool. just wanted to throw that in there as sure. well. Sure. All right, Pat, why don't you take us into Way to Normal? Yeah, uh, I absolutely will do that. So this is... Seven years later, almost to the day, this came out September 17th, 2008, and I believe at this point, the five had had gotten back together, I think in 2008. Alex is just together. like, absolutely not. Uh, they had a reunion concert. They had a reunion concert, okay. They were, but they were, so basically, they weren't back together, but they they had reunited. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, again, love this one. Um, I will say, <laughs> the first track scared me for half a second because it was i i can't see anywhere that it was live but it no no they it was simulated to be live, live. yeah yeah it um, was, it's simulated live it's because it's a reference to uh benny and the benny jets, the jets. jets. Yeah. yeah really really alex is it bubba benny hits his head are you sure yeah no i think it was i'm pretty sure let me check <laughs> Yeah, let me check my some my, research on my that, Ben Folds you? memoir. Yeah, let me just yeah. call Ben. I'm his best friend. We're 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 old buddies. Now, um, this is more excellent songwriting. Uh, it's it's clear that he is very talented as a songwriter. Uh, he's still that simplistic lyrical time, like storytelling, where he's just kind of telling you a story the same way, like. If you guys asked me how my day was, I would tell you about my day. I wouldn't wax poetic, but but the way the stories that he writes are so good at plucking whatever emotion he wants you to feel, whether it's happy, whether it's sad, whether it's nostalgic, all mm-hmm. those things. The only thing that even bugged me at all, I love Ben Folds. I think Ben Folds is a great uh, musician. I think he's a above decent vocalist. When you pair yourself with someone like Regina Spector, as he did on You Don't Know Me, you let your flaws shine through a little bit. Yeah. If you put yourself... Regina Spector is a phenomenal singer. So if you put yourself up against her one-on-one in the duet, it calls to light a little bit of his own vocal flaws. Not that that's a huge problem, and it's only that one song, really. But just wanted to put that there. Sure. Um, uh, that, Alex, other than that, loved it. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go second because because Nick wants to go last. Um, I also thoroughly enjoy this album. I I, I don't think Ben Folds has made a bad album, so you're not going to hear me say anything bad. I think definitely in this album there are some songs that are maybe a little bit less strong, um, and songs that I don't really listen to as much. Um, but one of those being Errant Dog. I think sometimes like the production of some of the songs and also like the the contents of the songs are a little bit weird at times. But um, overall, like I think. Th- in this album, you get another like masterclass in really emotional songwriting with with um, Cologne, which is um, mine and Brooks' like favorite Ben Folds song, 
and then also from the closer track kylie from connecticut yeah um both just like totally like excels in being kind of melancholic and and that kind of vibe i think one of the things too with ben folds uh with his vocals is that he's not necessarily the flashiest singer so it, it sounds really genuine it sounds like a little yes. bit vulnerable a lot and that, of so the, great great uh a more succinct way to put what i was saying he yeah. is he is not a, a flashy singer so going up against someone like regina specter head-to-head does not work yeah no but like the thing about that too is then when he's singing these songs where he's going high or, or where he like yeah. it sound like he's doing it and it out of a state more of vulnerability and and you know for the song rather than being like oh i can go high let me show you how high i can go yes um and and on this you get an actual band backing up ben folds um which is great but um i'll share an insu- a fun little tidbit about it um with with this album um they there were leaks being kind of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. put out on the internet with it and so what the ben folds did is they had 12 hours before i think it was either before the release date or like before they had to do something for it they taped a whole album's worth of fake songs yeah and and got somebody to leak it online and then so people were reviewing the leak as if it was the real album yeah and then what's funny with that is ben fold he said it in his memoir that once the actual album came out people would review it and said i like the faked album better <laughs> and so the, he was just like, "Oh man, darn it!" Shouldn't yeah. have done that. But so I love Ben Folds. That's funny. And, and I'm gonna pass it on to Nick. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna agree with the first thing Alex said here, which is uh, not every song is as strong on this album. I'm gonna be very honest. Compared to the first album, which I thought was essentially a masterpiece from song to song, uh, this takes a, a step back for me. This is not as good as Rock in the Suburbs. However, there are songs that are as good as the songs on Rock in the Suburbs. So uh, I'm making a critique of this. I mean, I think Ben Folds at his low points, which occur throughout this album, you know, is still good. You know, like they're not bad songs. They're not songs that I would, you know, be upset by or not want to listen to. But I also went into this album, like, with ridiculously high expectations based on the first one. Uh, And the first couple of songs did not grab me in that way, where I was like, okay, this is good, but I mean, like... I loved the last album. That hasn't happened yet. And then You Don't Know Me with Regina Spector came on. I was like, okay, this is the yeah. Ben Folds I've been waiting for. The writing is, is spectacular. Exactly. So uh, I will definitely say like a lot of moments on this album, You Don't Know Me, Cologne, like Alex was mentioning. I also really love the, the intro before Cologne, which is just a beautiful little piano piece uh, for a little less than a minute. Now, if you, um, if you want to know something, if you want to listen to this in your own free time, there's a version of Cologne that is essentially the orchestration of the piano piece for the entire song. And it, that also sounds amazing. Okay. That's so good to know. I, I would recommend listening to that as well. Yeah. So I will say, you know, my overall review, is it a good album? Yes. Would I listen to it again? Yes. Are there a lot of great songs like there were on the first album? For sure. Uh, but not everything did it for me on this album the way everything did on the first album. So sure. Uh, still, like, the floor is is not low, uh, but the ceiling is very high. I just, you know, it's hard to go from an album where you hit the ceiling every time to one where you're just like, you're not there always. Uh, and then we get into the third album. There. So, so there, uh, and I'm sure Alex will talk a little bit about it. 
but this is a collaboration. It's Ben Folds with what's called the Y Music Ensemble, uh, which makes this a chamber pop piece because yeah. there's uh, an orchestra, essentially, like a, or a chamber ensemble, I should say. Um, so I believe Y Music is uh, it's trumpet, flute, clarinet, violin, viola, cello. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any other members, but I know that it's those six. There's a drum set, I think, too. Okay. Uh, and, man, they're great. It's so great to have them on this record. I mean, it's uh, not only is it just super pleasant pleasant to listen to that type of music, it definitely gives another avenue for Ben Folds to explore in his songwriting, uh, which is, you know, really just tremendous, especially the second half of this album, <laughs> yeah. which is just a three-movement piano and orchestra concerto. I mean, it's fabulous. I mean, it's t- 20 minutes yeah. uh, of my life that were just fantastic. I will definitely go back and listen to that over and over and over again. Um, so all in all, I felt like this was a, a pick back up from the second album where uh, now I'm like, every song is consistently catching me again. There's just one weird spot. Is it F10DA? Uh, it's F10DA, which I'm like, okay. It's, it's kind of ridiculous it's and immature. Fun. Yeah, It's ridiculous and immature. But I love the music part that goes with it. I mean, like yeah. the actual instrumentation of it is great. So it's it's ridiculous, Nick. But I love the music. You have to He's give so me this: a masterclass in word painting. Well, certainly, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, hard to argue that. No, but uh, I mean, this was just now with this album, we've jumped back to that point where I was at the first yeah. album, where I was loving everything instead of just some things. Anyone else can talk. Oh, uh, Pat, uh, Pat wants me to go. Yeah, I want, I want you to go. go. I, I went second on the last one, too. But okay, I really enjoy <laughs> this album. Um, you know I'm not going to say anything bad about Ben Folds. I have this on a vinyl. Like, I, I freaking love it. Um, I think uh, you get you get really emotional songs here, too. Um, so there is is act, like also one of my favorite Ben Folds songs. And I think he like the way he talks in So There, like it, 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 it just seems like like and I will not forget you there's nothing to forget is like a line that like I don't think any like I want to think of like I don't know it's really interesting and and then I'm not the man there's also just like a really kind of a very nice re- reflective piece on his life um co-written and, and with tr- Alicia Witt yeah, yeah written with Alicia Witt um I don't know who Alicia Witt is though she's I an think. actress oh yeah <laughs> his uh um, ex-wife or wife or oh, which one he's had because like he's got like 37 yeah he's he's got like uh, maybe like just an ex-girlfriend ben folds yeah i was gonna say ben folds has dated married and divorced half the planet at this point yeah honestly which was like the he was the don juan divorcing. indeed or the larry king well um <laughs> guys sorry i'm gonna have my one critique oh man and it's uh that the end of the concerto it just kind of patters out. The concerto starts so beautifully, and every movement is so good. And the concerto just kind of ends like, but bum bum bum, kind of like, like <laughs> oh, it, it has such like a. a I cop couldn't out disagree with you more. You disagree? I love no, I think, that it's. I think so. Here's, you finish. I'll talk later. You're good. I think that like I love the concerto and I love it so much. Like I listen to it all the time, and I think everything leading up to it is so great. And then it just goes do 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 bum 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 bum, and I'm like ah oh, please like give me something like give me a, a huge like chord yeah. give me like something like amazing mm-hmm. happening I understand I and it just kind of patters out and that's so I listen to the movement one and two and I skip movement three whenever I listen to the concerto <laughs> but I, okay. all, other than that love Ben Folds 
Okay, fair enough. So I'll start with the concerto then, because I completely disagree with you. The one critique that I have Pat for, only likes the ending. No, no, no. But the one, <laughs> yeah. the one critique I have for a lot of classical music, and I listen to classical music. I really enjoy it. Um, I enjoy things like this, like concertos and sonatas and all those different classical stylings. I feel like they all only build to the climactic ending, and it's expected every time. And I love that Ben Folds, who nobody who just knows kind of of passing Ben Folds, would would think of Ben Folds writing a concerto. I knew he was capable of it. I've heard him do like live songwriting clinics at like performances and stuff where he'll just like call ask for things from the audience and just write and if he has like an orchestra backing him and they create an orchestral piece live but i love that it subverts your expectation i love that you're fully geared towards a build-up it's it's basically like a, it's the same punch in the face in modern music that like a a suspended half cadence would be or like a half cadence would be in really actually old classical music mm-hmm. like it okay. ends in a way you're not expecting and i really enjoy that I can sure. totally respect that opinion, like, and I agree with you. Like, I think that's great. I personally just am no. I I get where you're coming from. I'm just saying, like, for yeah. me, when it did that, I was like, oh man, that like, because I'm sure there's a ton of people who would be not expecting a concerto to end in such an anticlimactic way, and yeah. that was just like, I loved it. Um, probably, I would argue the second greatest modern day classical pieces that I've heard. Um, because I I listened to Billy Joel's classical album and that still wins, but a, this is beautifully done. Other than that, yeah. the rest of the album is top tier for me. I loved F in the A <laughs> for exactly what it is. So it literally the title is F ten dash D dash A, and the entire you can thing, put the pieces together. Yeah, the entire thing is him saying like F in the A, and then just like F in the A with a B. In the C, like D, like, and he's doing the notes and the chords as he's saying the letters, and right. it's 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 great. It's clever. It's a little immature and goofy, as Nick mentioned, but it's such a breakup from this album because this album was a bit heavier in a good mm-hmm. way. It's it's a little stronger emotionally. There was some more reflective stuff. He's older here. Um, I think he was as 49. artists often get between albums. Well, yeah, but um, <laughs> he was definitely writing from a little bit of an older lens too, right? Like, which is interesting. Interesting to me. Um, all in all, loved it. Cool. Do you want? Do you want a really quick tidbit that I like? I I, I learned really quick during I, the audience is like this episode's three hours long. What is happening? Okay. <laughs> really quick tidbit. Um, Chet Atkins um, made like RCA RCA Studio like the studios in in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um at a certain point, I have to I have to pull it up. Uh it was it was used by RCA until 90 or 1977 when they closed it. And then in 2002, Ben Folds bought it. And he recorded his albums there and like got nice it out little, to people. Nice uh, little 6 degrees within the episode. And then it was supposed to be it was supposed to be like torn down and Ben Folds was really lobbying like no, this is like an iconic like this is yeah, a really important building for Nashville history, and so he fought for it to get um, to to get like uh, certain historical significance yeah, right. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. So yeah, he was a really big pioneer with with the music industry coalition. I think 
big which fan is a Tennessee of kind that. Of, yeah, let's grade let's him. Let's All right. Um, so one thing that we're gonna have to address here is the Ben Folds Five and their music doesn't doesn't come count. into play here, right? So like, if you're thinking, probably the song he's most famous for is Brick. But that was not a Ben Folds song. That was a Ben Folds Five song. Yeah, which we'll uh, that discuss at some point. Stuff. Exactly. But that doesn't come into play here um, with this. Right. And I got to be honest, it's probably going to be his lowest score of the day. Yes, but it's not the lowest score in this category for the day. Uh, he's better than Animal Collective. He's a much more recognizable name than Animal Collective. Yes, I fully he's agree been around that. the block more. He's... Uh, he's for ingrained sure. himself in certain things. He was on TV for a while. He's um, done a few soundtracks. He's in, yeah, he's in some soundtracks. So he's, you know, he's around. Yeah, I mean, he's in I, the zeitgeist again, more than like, Animal Collective. If we asked a bunch of people if they knew who Ben Folds was, probably wouldn't get a lot of positive responses. I think we're uh, in no. The I ra- think if we said, "Do you know who Ben Folds was?" They would go, "Oh, Brick, right?" Uh, they'd be like, "Oh, I was married to him." Um, <laughs> yeah, that's but, uh, <laughs> there. You go. Yeah. Um, He's been married five times. Yeah. But let, let's just be real. I mean, like, Rock in the Suburbs was probably the closest he's had to a bigger hit as a solo artist, I would argue. Um, it was certainly the one I was most familiar with. Uh, it charted at, like, 53 in the U.K. as a single, 28 on the U.S. alternative charts. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't want to throw out a number. He, I don't want to be also, too low on well, it. Well, so so I'm 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 going to kind of abstain from voting a little bit just because here's, I know I'm, I'm going to be say. a little bit inflated. Wait, wait. Right. As okay. the person no, who I'm wasn't sorry. an enormous fan abstaining. of Ben Folds go- coming in, I'm going to like try to be a little bit down to earth in the way you guys were a little bit more down to earth with Chet Atkins for me. One I, thing that is is a little bit, um, I think I think he's a little bit well known for it. Um, ben Folds did a cover of the Dr. Dre song, um, "Bitches." Yes, Ain't he shit. did. Oh yes, and yes. so I think he was he was pretty known for that as well. Even though it's a, a little bit problematic, he got it sure. actually taken off of streaming services because he says some not he great was, stuff. But I think yeah. like he charts occasionally, you know. And I think so. Sure. I think there's definitely some kind of impact. Oh, for there's him. there's a contingency of and, fans undoubtedly. And, f- and for me, like I actually listened to Ben Folds at a really young age, not even knowing it, because mm-hmm. I had the Over the Hedge soundtrack on my. Like little MP3 the Shatner player. cover, no the I I had a like Lost in the Supermarket and Heist and Family of Me listen to those all the time on my little Zune MP3 player, and nice. then eventually well, it came back around to Ben Folds, and then I found out he did Over the Hedge, and I'm like, oh, I just love Ben Folds all my life, right? Um, but like, so I think he's definitely maybe I'll, I'll put a number in there in the sure. universe. I think he's maybe around the threes. I I think completely that's kind of disagree. No way. Okay. I think okay. Is high Hold on it. a second. Hold on a second. Okay. What do you consider the average cultural impact of a human being? Well, hold on, hold on, like, hold on. Of and, a, and, like, no, what no, do you? No, no. no of a musician. Let's... I'm saying of the musicians. Okay. Okay. Sure. What do you consider average? Because I would say somebody who's sold relatively consistently is a common name who's appeared on television. I would say that's r- closer to average than a three. And you said that's too high. I mean. Uh, just like looking back over the last few weeks, for instance, I and I like, think you're going to say a name that I, I I'm looking at too. Yeah, there's just a couple. Like looking at 98 degrees, they got a 4.2. They had several major hits, like number one hits, were a household name. Okay, that's never been Ben Folds. 
Sure. You know what I mean? Like, but again, Limp it's Biscuit not even had hits and sold music. millions and millions and millions of records and got a 3.5. Right. Like, we hated Limp Biscuit, you and I did, but they sold like tens of millions of records more than Ben Folds and got a 3.5. Listen. And I Fred understand. Durst was like all over television too and was a super well known person. Like, I would say Fred Durst is probably a more well known name than Ben Folds. Yeah, I guess infamy. You counts. know what I mean? Like, uh, so I think I I'm. Know, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm like Nick. We've you, all been aware can... of. I mean, like I've I've known about Ben Folds since I was in high school too. But I, I don't think that we represent the norm with yeah, no, people's I agree with awareness you. of Ben Folds. I think we are way more aware of him than the average population. I, I definitely agree with you there, and 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 I'm trying not to. I think three. I kind of put a three out there because I think. Maybe I think I would know Ben Folds as well as I know Ted Nugent it, uh, if I were okay. a normal person. And so I kind of put them in the same uh, culture. I'm, I can live with a three, but Nick said it was too high. And that, okay, that I my, agree my that it, I still up. think it's a little high, but I will I, go with it. I, I mean, if that's where you Then let's go with it because we gave you more yeah. for Chet Atkins. That's fine. And we give us our points back. Uh, like you weren't on my team for Chet Atkins and <laughs> cultural. You were arguing for the highest. No, for songwriting. I was, I was okay. uh, for songwriting. All right, so the next one is Breadth of Work. So. Uh, we have to consider five. what we're doing here. So, are we saying five albums? Yeah, five albums, five studio. Okay, albums. so three solo, one with Y Music, one with Nick Hornby are the ones that we're counting. Uh, yeah, six. I'm gonna say six because he also has an LP, which I I I don't know what the difference between an LP and an album is, but he uh, has an LP that's comprised of, of a tracks. bunch of different EPs that he made. Well, I mean, this okay. he, he released an LP that's twelve songs long, so that's and he, like that's a, an album essentially so, so I, I think i mean yeah kind of okay it's albums typically like is just six, like it's the intent really i think yeah a lot of it. it's five to six ish i guess um it's average we'll call it average well, yeah i think five and a half generous. rounds up to six if we count the we LP can be generous half. and give him average uh i mean he doesn't have the certifications but he's got the quality yeah yeah so i mean we're wherever five to six albums, but definite quality puts us without sales, unfortunately, which I think is probably in the fives, the stronger okay. side of the fives, because I think I, they're that good. I would have said a six even. I'm, it, I'm, hasn't I'm really, sold. it hasn't sold, yeah. but it has the good quality bump. So I'd be putting I mean, I'd, I'd give him I'd give him the six personally. I mean, and we say that his albums aren't selling, but like his two of his albums charted in the top fifteen in the U.S. Billboard 200. True, which true. you have to sell right. at least decently of for of that. Of course, of so course. So right. I think there are no certifications. Yeah, that it could I, just be, and, and like it could be like Chad Atkins, where they're maybe not listed, but he has sold. But sure. regardless, I think I'm yeah, like in the high fives, six. Yeah, I would be okay with like a five nine. Five nine's good with me. Uh, and Instrumental Town, I think, is another good score. I mean, like, I was pretty impressed with the piano playing throughout this. Like, I didn't know how good he was going to be as a piano player. Uh, and he was very good. I think Ben Folds is one of the best piano players. Putting that out there. I And and I think, I think the way that he has the piano kind of as, like, uh, he pushes a, a different direction of the piano. Because with Ben Folds 5, and I know we're not talking about Ben Folds 5, but you can see it bleed into the solo albums as well in Ben folds five, they didn't have a guitar. So he had to really change how mm -hmm. he plays 
to, to kind cover of that compensate for that. Yeah. So he has really a more percussive way of playing mm-hmm. and, and kind of covers a, a lot of different spectrums like what he does. I, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here. But That's okay. No, no, no. I, be, I understand what you're saying. I, I'm t- to like to say that I think that he's definitely, to me at least, like one of the top three piano players. Wow. Like okay. in, in, in terms of like this style. Like, sure. Because it's like, no, he's, it, I mean, it's he's very Billy good. Joel, Elton John, and then I think Ben Folds. For me, personally. I don't know how you guys take that. I'd really have to think on it, but I mean, I do agree that he's very talented. I mean, I would never, t- I wouldn't take anything away from him. I have nothing negative to say about his playing. Um, I would definitely be a couple points above average here. Yeah, I mean, definitely have to be above average on this. I mean, like, the number that jumped into my brain was around a seven for everything. Oof. I'm higher um, than that. Oof, because, I'm higher than that. Because, I mean, like you said, his vocals are, are maybe slightly better than average, like his in his and, style. But I even that, I mean, I, I wouldn't think take his vocals, his vocals out of average. five necessarily. And like, the, if the, it was judging on vocals alone, they would probably still be in the fives for me somewhere. Right. So, so um, can, I th- can I throw this the out there? But other stuff is going to push him up for me. Can I throw this to out a there? seven, too? Sure. though? Come on. He, I think, he he played every instrument on the first album. He did. For sure. And I think, I'm going to say it, and, and this might be a little bit, he played it better than like other solo albums that we've heard. Like, I think, com- listen, look, looking back at like Paul McCartney's solo albums where he records all the instruments, I think Ben Folds does a better job consistently at each instrument. He went to school for playing the drums. He played bass in a band um, that he was in before Ben Folds 5. And he plays piano amazingly. Like I think he, his piano playing is, yeah. I mean, for sure, the drumming. I agree. I don't. I wouldn't say he's a better bassist or guitarist than Paul McCartney, though. That's for sure. And he's certainly not a better singer. I think he's a better drummer. He's a better. I, I would. I would agree with you on percussion. Like drums and piano, definitively better. Paul is a better bassist, pianist, and singer. I don't. I, or okay. excuse me, bassist, uh, yeah. guitarist, and singer. I don't know about guitarist. Uh, Paul's and a no, very I I, good guitarist. I'll, I'll, I'll Paul's actually, a really good guitar guitarist. player. I think I'm thinking a lot about Paul's first album, and I, I sure. Think well, then think great. about the guitar solo on "Maybe I'm Amazed." Yeah. Then think about the guitar solo on "Rockin' the Suburbs." Wow, that was the solo. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm in the eights. I'm in the eights. Okay. For me, that's, I'm also that's in the high down. Um, I think I think he's. I would put him in the higher fives of. I would. I think he's an above average vocalist. We've had plenty mm-hmm. of vocalists that are significantly worse. I think he is never bad. And no. I think at average, I think at some points you'd have to be bad. I think he shows an impressive range. I think that he doesn't try to do too much. I think it never takes away. And I think he's an above average vocalist. Not in the sixes vocally, mm-hmm. but he's. I'd put him well into the like low nines for just piano sure he's i mean i'll go up to an eight for you guys i can go up to an eight for you guys like i was definitely thinking lower to start i i understand i think alex's arguments really helped me a lot um again i'm gonna be like the no no no, i mean like what alex was talking about i'm going to school for drums and that those parts really sticking out too Mm -hmm. uh again i'm just gonna try to be like the one person who wasn't completely obsessed with this man coming but that's into the not, episode. That's not like, fair. And, 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 and I, I, just think, I just like, think we I'm might gonna be, be like a I'm going to be less bit. than normal. No, no. no I, I think so you guys I are just a little bit. You're, he's trying like, to ground us a little bit. It's, exactly. Oh, I'm just trying to say, like, I think that you guys, like, have such high. I don't understand, man, because I get, I get double teamed when I'm like, oh, maybe we don't, you know. Blow no, Chad I'm Atkins right here with for you. 40 I think, minutes. I think Ben Folds is amazing. And then it's like arguing for points for Ben. Like, I would love to give Ben Folds a 10. 
Like I, I, but I'm not everything even arguing I said about him is, is I want a 10 and then you guys bring me down from there. And because I, I don't want to like overinflate it because I, I know that I love Ben Folds. Um, right. But if we don't want to overinflate it and then Nick thinks that the numbers we're saying to not overinflate it are overinflating it and argues us even lower to try to. No, be no, the I'm, I, I'm not going lower than an eight. I don't I'm think gonna, eight. Now that is he's like coming up to an eight, I'm going to make him. Yeah. I'm going to make him settle above an eight too. But and on also in the in the piano concerto too, mm-hmm. he kind of shows how he like with that like his playing is really both classically kind of derived. I agree. And then also all that kind of jazzy pop stuff that he does I shows in there too. And I think that's like amazing. So okay. I think all in all, eight, eight and a half. What do you think, Pat? Eight and um, a half? I, I can live with an eight and a half. Yes. All right. Eight and a half, Nick. I'll give you an 8.4. Eight and a half. Can it be an 8.45 that rounds up to an eight and a half? So you get the moral victory, but we get the point victory? Uh, all right. I well, think Nick's uh, just doing go. the math to make sure that uh, I I haven't even considered the math. Because um, here's where here's where it's going to be Because these next two wins. categories are going to be, yeah. I mean, this is... The songwriting, I was going to say, like, I think songwriting is a better category for him than instrumental talent. And I, I think would songwriting agree. Songwriting is, is probably, you know, a, a couple percentage points, you know, a little bit better than yeah. than his instrumental talent. <laughs> and I, mean, I agree. He shows a crazy range on here, uh, you know, especially, I mean, I, really the kicker is throwing in a full-blown concerto uh, by the end. Like, obviously, crazy arrangement chops. Uh the vocal arrangements on these albums are also really great. We haven't, we didn't really spend much time talking about the harmonies uh, and all that stuff that was going mm-hmm. on throughout, which shocker, Pat, where were you on all the harmony stuff? Um, but it was also I was talking really about impressive. the lyrics and the writing. Yeah. So, I mean, where, do, where do you guys want to go? I mean, he's pro- arguably one of the best songwriters we've had this season for sure. I agree. Um, and he's the most consistent. I mean, just to, from a sheer consistency point, he didn't miss even his I, I weakest. Think there were, but I'm saying no. There were I'm, definitely my, weaker. Yeah, yeah. Songs. Even his were weaker, weaker songs, songs weak- were bottoming out at like around an average score. If he wrote only mm-hmm. his weakest songs, I'd be like, oh, he's an average songwriter. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, and I think that's yeah. rare. Sure. So I'm above. I'm above an eight and a half. Let me. I'm going to be too. clear on that. I'm. I'd be. I'd too. be living around a nine. Uh, that was the number that I was considering anyway. I mean, I would. I think how nine much is above appropriate. A nine? a nine. Okay, I can live with a nine even. Yeah, I think yeah, about a nine. I, I agree. Uh, and I think he gets a really good score for poetic talent as well. Oh my god, his lyrics are so great, and there's just like uh, something about it that just it's like so vulnerable in the lyrics themselves, and it's. It's not something you see in 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 a lot of people writing, like you like kind of they people kind of fall into a, a a standard writing format where you know oh it has to rhyme oh it has to be kind of cheesy and stuff like that. But Ben like Ben Folds writes experiences. Ben Folds writes emotions. Like it just feels so natural to hear him sing some of these songs that it's just it's freaking insane, dude. And I'm at yes. a 10, so bring me down. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not at a 10. I agree. I love his songwriting. Uh, I'm in the nines. Let me be clear. I think his style of writing is so universally relatable. 
and I think he doesn't try to write he doesn't try to write um above people's heads which I think when you get into some songwriting it can be kind of the crutch or the crux mm-hmm. some of these songwriters that you know have been revered uh tend to write metaphorically and it's like sure. oh you either get it or you're dumb Mm-hmm. And so, but he doesn't do that. He writes in yeah. a way where it's like, you're going to get it. You're going to feel an emotion. You're going to feel the emotion I want you to feel. And it's going to be a different emotion every song. And so I'm, I'd be living right around like a nine, five personally. Yeah. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm good with the nine, five. I think he's just, it's, it's really just a masterclass in lyric writing where it's not necessarily some like it doesn't have to be metaphors. It doesn't have the to be only, the only like, and, and I will say the only reason I'm lower is like some of the other artists that have gotten like tens, like Phil Oaks. Yeah. I think we're writing this Phil similar Oaks would be style. The only person I think who got a higher score. What I, and I think so. He writes the similar style where he's writing, you know, a more broken down, simplistic words mm-hmm. in his lyrics. His message was stronger. And that's why he yeah. gets the other half point. His message yeah. was stronger. I think he was writing yeah, about more Phillips things. Phillips has like more, but he has more of like a political message. I think Ben Folds right. like is mm-hmm. just more emotional. Like, and, yeah. and all of his songs just kind of feel more emotional. All right. So X Factor then? So here's a couple uh, things. Here's a couple things. I'll go for it, Pat. Um, he was a judge on the sing-off, but no, that's not even it. <laughs> uh, some other things. Uh, he is a lot more regarded than we're giving him credit for in the classical music scene. He is for over for a few decades at this point, about 20 years, he's performed with a ton of symphony orchestras. Uh, he currently serves as the first ever artistic advisor for the National Symphony, yes. symphony Orchestra at the Kennedy yes. Center. That's right. So I just want to be clear on that. We talked a ton about you know the music he's released, his pop career, and we mentioned that he wrote a concerto and included it on his most recent album. But he is bigger than we're giving him credit for in the classical music scene. And and what's really cool is I have seen Ben Folds multiple times. Every single time has been different. There's been, and this is just a personal anecdote. And I, I'm sorry, this is going a long podcast, but I love uh-huh. Ben Folds. But like I saw him one time, and you you people put their requests you for people. songs in paper airplanes and threw them on stage and he would just pick up an airplane and play that song. Fascinating. That's I saw cool. him play with uh, like a, a a band called Tall Heights which is guitar, cello and a bass harmonica. And he played uh, uh, all his catalog with them. I saw him with an orchestra. I like it's the amount of range that he has like from tour to tour is like astonishing and and he's just so creative for it. I love you, Ben Folds. Please, yeah, come that's on the really interesting. <laughs> yeah, and and if you want to know something else, John Mayer loves Ben Folds too. Nick, so I have no doubt. He, you got to give him. I'm John sure Mayer actually used to bootleg Ben Folds, Ben Folds five concerts. Oh yeah, yeah, and then <laughs> oh, and then cool. in 2008, when John Mayer was like big with Continuum, he brought Ben Folds to open for him. Oh, cool. Because he like that's he was like I like Ben Folds, yeah. bring him to open. Right, but so uh, all in all, I don't I like what X factors there. You you guys tell me. I don't know. I mean, I like the advisor to the the National Symphony Orchestra. I'm at the Kennedy I'm, Center lean, as, I'm, as a I'm cool asking thing. for half a point. Uh yeah, I think that's fair. That is fair. Cool. Love Ben right. Oh, great guy. Yeah. All right. Good episode. We're done. We've got scores. Uh and coming in last place this week. 
Shout out, Kims. You Actually, you know what? Don't say it yet because they deserve this. I have a two-inch <laughs> micro penis. All right. Well, last place was a tie between Chet Atkins and Ben Folds. Zero points <laughs> yeah. between the two of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, it was Animal Collective, obviously, uh, with a seven point nine. They beat Pavement. Not by a lot. They beat. No, they. I mean, they lost to Pavement. I'm saying they have. They oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah. That's as a, a band, very low score. So they got their wish. They wanted yeah. to be like Pavement. They actually managed to do it better. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Which is and a lower winning, score for us. Winning this week's episode. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Was Benjamin Folds. Wow. With a 36.4. Crazy. Can I guess what Chad Atkins had? I feel like Chad Atkins had like a 35 point. No, he's got to be. I'm I'm just going to say around 30. 33.4. Okay. Uh, So there we go, folks. If he wrote wrote an extra maybe 15 songs. Could have been. If he he sang. if he sang anything, if he sang any lyrics, no, but I, I think this panned out exactly uh, the way it should have, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys are like, oh, you're resisting. You don't like Ben. Oh, Folds. I was, ben Folds, I, was liter- I was trying to take the perspective of the only person who what like wasn't completely in love with him before we started, but I do think he totally earned uh, everything, and he he earned a strong win with some great albums. Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Uh, and come back next week. Uh, for we shall be looking at Wham. Jitterbug. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Jitterbug. Oh, you got to do the second one. Jitterbug. You, you made me do it, and I'm not allowed to sing. Yeah, exactly. Leave and you alone. and you guys made Jitterbug. me get emotional on this podcast. I'm mad at both of you. I'm sorry. I said I'm not allowed to raise my voice, and you made me raise my voice. Cut us and off. For that right. reason, end the episode. It's been three hours. I'm already in. It's been two hours. <laughs> It's been it's, it's been two time, hours. Man. Uh, listen, love you all. Uh, peace and love. Listener supports a thing. Check it out. Use the hashtag Totem Talks. But most importantly, have a great day. <laughs>